0: and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace. Be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding, give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Even so faith, if it had not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, And I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God. How many still believes that? Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works? When he had offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar, seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works with, was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified, and by, not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the heart justified by works When she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way For as the body without the spirit is dead So faith without works is dead So faith without works is dead now we see a continual phrase repeated maybe the wording is a little bit different each time but the same theme and that is faith dead, dead according to not having works along with it or coupled with it and i'm reluctant to um, give a title here at the beginning because i don't want it to sound negative because i certainly don't come with a negative message tonight Kind of like I heard Brother Major say a few nights ago. He said, I usually give my titles at the end of my message. That way I never get off subject. Praise God. But uh, I'm going to preach to you a little bit if the Lord will help us tonight. Where faith dies. Where faith dies. Would you lift up your hands and your voices one more time to the Lord. And let's pray for God to help us. Anoint us and bless us in this sanctuary tonight again. Jesus this God, service. I pray, pray God, God for you Lord. God, we need God. you. We desire you. We thirst for you. We pray God for the help of your spirit. Amen. Amen. It's good to see Brother Johnson, Steve Deller. I appreciate him very much. A great friend of ours. Clap your hands one more time to the Lord. You may be seated. Where faith dies The scripture almost seems To be an oxymoron Because it's hard for any of us To accept the terms Faith and death In the same sentence It doesn't Make much sense to us Because the very essence of faith As we've been taught Is life But there is according to The word of God The possibility that faith can die in a person's life and when it dies it's a very tragic thing for the individual that allows it to do so for the bible tells us that faith amen without it it is impossible to please god a man cometh to god he must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of of those that diligently seek him We understand that faith is not optional equipment. It's not something that we have a choice concerning in our walk with God. Not something that we can opt out of or choose not to have. But if we're going to please God, we must have faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Amen. It's not like your automobile that when you go and buy... Purchase a new automobile. You can decide whether or not you want power locks, power windows, power steering, even air conditioning. If you live in Texas, it's not much of an option. But it kind of reminds me of uh, Brother Coon, a man in his church. He told me about several years ago. who went down to a dealership in the nearby town of Alexandria, and he was just a country man. He was going to go buy a new automobile, and he had read the newspaper about the base car that was being advertised and you know how the sales gimmick is they'll tell you something to lure you in but the salesman if he's good he's going to try to sell you all the options and bump you up about five or ten thousand dollars and so he said sir he said i know you came here to look at this car but he said let me tell you we got the same car right over here he said it doesn't have the naga hide seats amen it doesn't have amen just the plastic floorboards it doesn't have amen the uh, roll down windows it has the other options on this car he says it's got leather seats he said it's got cold air it's got power steering it's got an automatic transmission he said just take it for a drive and that's usually how they work he said I'll go with you and he said the old man went out and got in the car and opened the door and sat down and started the ignition and a lady's voice came on he said please shut the door and he reached over and shut the door. He shook his head. And he said, started out driving and uh, pretty soon said, Fasten your seatbelt, please. Fasten your seatbelt. He said, just reached over and put it right up and parked. Got out. Stopped right there in the middle of the parking lot. and said, I don't need this car. He said, I've already got a woman at home. <laughs> he talks to me and tells me what to do all the time. And he said, I'm not going to buy a car that's going to tell me what to do. Yeah. But how many knows without faith it is impossible possible to please God. It's not optional equipment. Our basic biblical understanding of faith tells us that it is the substance of things hoped for, Hebrews 11, and the evidence of things not seen. But it even goes really deeper than that. Our faith is a way of life. It's not just a statement. It's not just a good feeling but the bible tells us it admonishes us that the just shall live by faith and those of you that have lived for god any period of time at all know that you walk by faith and by feeling you don't just pay your tithes because you feel like paying your tithes you don't just worship god and praise the lord by feelings but you do it by faith because if you let your things dictate to you how you're going to live for god You're not going to make it very long, because sooner or later you're going to have to do something that you don't feel like necessarily doing. Somebody says, well, it's hypocritical for me to worship God when I don't feel like worshiping God. No, it's an expression of faith when you worship God, when you sometimes don't feel like worshiping the Lord. The Bible said in Psalms 100, to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That word make means to manufacture. It means to force into existence. It means to create. Sometimes you don't feel like doing it, but you just got to lift up your voice and do it anyway. You got to praise Him anyhow. You got to magnify Him. I know sometimes we come in, we've been working all day on a Wednesday night. And we're not as eager as we sometimes are to be at church or in the presence of God or to hear the preaching of the word of the Lord. But at those times, we've got to lift up our voice and make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Somebody said, well, I can make a joyful noise if I had joy. That's not what the Bible said. The Bible tells us to leap for joy. That word for means to get. Don't leap because you got it. In other words, don't worship because you already possess it, but worship to get it. Sometimes you just got to come to the house of God, irregardless of how you feel, what's going on, whether the boss has been on your back, what's happening on the job. Amen. And lift your hands in the air, lift your voice to God, and give him praise, give him glory, and give him honor that he deserves. In fact, the mature saint of God understands and realizes early on that if I'm going to live for God, I must deny my feelings at times. Amen. And respond to God in faith. So based on what James tells us in chapter number 2, it is possible for faith to die. This integral part of our relationship with God Which the Bible clearly says, without it, it is impossible to please him. Is it possible that that element, faith, could die in our life? And if it is possible for it to die, where does it die? Now, I'm not a theologian, but I think I've identified at least four places in the life of a person, an individual, that that faith can die. Therefore, it becomes important to us to do whatever we have to do, amen, to guard it, to protect it in these four areas of our lives and not to allow it to die. First of all, I believe that faith can die in a person's mind. You cannot afford to let faith die in your mind. I want to talk to you about your mind for just a moment. Your mind is that mechanism placed there in creation by god that separates you i believe from every other part of his creation for your mind in your mind you have the power to process thoughts you have the power to perceive. you have the power to feel you have the power to will you have the power to make a choice and this all happens in that unseen mechanism that we call the mind the Bible said in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Be not conformed to this world. Amen. To this world's ideas, to this world's philosophies, to this world's negativism. Amen. I have a XM in my vehicle and sometimes I do things were drove about is negative. Amen. Be not conformed to this world that be a charm by the renewing of your mind. Don't let this world shape your attitude. Don't, don't let this world limit your thinking. Uh, don't let this world decide how you're going to live your life. The scripture admonishes us not to conform to this world's mentality. Amen. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we we preach and we teach and we talk a lot about spiritual renewal. And I believe that spiritual renewal is essential. It's important. Amen. And it needs to be practiced often in our life. In fact, I I just really believe that every time you have the opportunity, you need to receive a renewing of the Holy Ghost. I don't believe in this one saved always saved doctrine. I don't believe what you got 30 years ago is still up to date. Amen. It's still going to carry you through at this point in time in your life. But every time you have the opportunity, in fact, every time you come to the house of God, amen, as the Spirit moves upon you, you need to be renewed in the Holy Ghost. You need to talk in tongues again. Well, it's been six months since I talked in tongues. That's too long. You need to be renewed and refreshed in the Holy Ghost again. Paul told Titus, his son in the gospel, he said, You're going to be saved by the washing of regeneration and renewing. Is that what he said? And renewing of the Holy Ghost. If you're going to be saved, my brother, you're going to have to have a lot of renewing of the Holy Ghost in your life. You're going to have to come to church and say, God, I'm coming just like I did the first time, a wretched sinner to the altar. I repent. I need your blood to cleanse me and atone me, as he said tonight. Uh, Refresh me again in the Holy Ghost. Uh, Let me talk in tongues just like I did the first time, because I need a renewing in my life. How many believes in spiritual renewal? Yes. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes. Praise God. But I'm going to tell you something that is just as important that we don't talk about sometimes. is a renewing that needs to happen in our minds. Amen. Why is mental renewing or a renewing in the mind so important? I'll tell you why. It's because your mind is a gateway to your soul. That is why that nearly everything is a man that you are tempted with is something that you hear something that you see something that you read your mind is a gateway to your soul and it has to be all processed through your mind and the devil wants to dominate he wants to manipulate you through your mind if the devil can bind your mind he can you in your minds chapter 2 and verse 5 says let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 tells us, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, power, and of a sound mind. Praise God. Amen. We need a sound mind in this hour that we're living in. If there's ever been a time when men need to be strong, Amen, and not weak in their minds and in their thinking, it's in the 21st century that you and I are living in. Praise God. Uh, the word of God tells us that uh, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Amen. Praise God. What, what, whatever you believe and what concept that you have of God in your mind is going to limit you in your faith. That's why the word of God tells us in Ephesians chapter number 3 and verse 20. Now to him that is able to do it exceedingly and abundantly above all that you ask that's wonderful or think according to the power that worketh within us what the Apostle Paul is talking about here is most of what we receive from God comes as a result of what we ask him for now we we all have that element of surprise sometimes from God When he comes and blesses us and surprises us and moves upon us. But just admit it tonight. Most of what you receive from God in the way of blessing and miracles and and answers and things happening in your life is the result of things that you prayed and asked him for. Most of what we receive from God comes as a result of what we ask God for. But Paul realized that we would never ask God for something That we did not think, first of all, that he was able to do. If you don't think God is able to do it, then you'll never vocalize it. You'll never come boldly and ask him for it. You'll never have faith enough to pray for it. So he said, I'm going to go a step further and tell you that God is not only able to do it seating and abundantly above what you ask, but he's able to do more than what you think. Amen. So what we really need to do is to change our thinking about God, because God can only be as big in our as we think him to be. If we believe God is able to do it, then we'll ask him for it. If we think God is able to give us revival, we'll ask him for it. If we think he's able to save our lost children, we'll ask him for it. If, If we think he's able to work in our home and do great things in our lives, then we'll ask him for it. Amen. What we need is renewing in our minds. Praise the Lord. He doesn't want you. He wants to bind your mind. He wants to suppress your mind. He don't want you to think have, have one thing that it's not for you. Amen. Because He knows that the miracle for you begins in your mind. Amen. If you believe God tonight and if you you trust the Lord tonight, if you make up your mind that I can have a miracle, that I can see revival, that I can experience His blessing. Amen. Then there's not a devil in hell that can hinder you from possessing it. There's not a devil in hell that can hinder you from having it. Praise God. Praise God. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. We need to be careful that we don't allow the devil to get dominance in our mind. That's what the Apostle Paul, even in prison, could say, I think myself happy. Hallelujah, it don't matter my conditions. It don't matter what I'm going through My faith is not limited by what I see or what I feel or even where I'm at My atmosphere, amen, is not gonna keep me back from doing what I know to do I'm gonna think myself happy no matter where I'm at what I'm going through what I'm facing in life No matter what contradicts me what challenges me, amen I'm still gonna have happiness because my happiness is not contingent upon my atmosphere I get a little with men in our church that, that their worship is always contingent on what's going on in their life. But the Bible said to praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Don't praise Him according to how you feel. Don't praise Him according to how you think about it. Amen. But praise Him according to His excellent greatness. I may be having a day, a bad day, but he's still a good God. Amen. I may be going through a trial, but he's still worthy of my worship. I'm still going to praise him in faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't let faith die in your mind. But I've noticed that if it ever starts deteriorating in the mind, that it doesn't stop there. Amen. We can't allow faith to die in a, our mouths. Notice that when it progresses from the mind, that it makes its way into a person's mouth. And you can tell it by the things that they're talking about. I don't know everything about people. I've only pastored uh, where I'm at for almost seven years. And uh, before that, evangelized uh, for ten. But uh, I do know this. I've been at it long enough to know that you can put two people, two negative people, that don't know one another, that's never been introduced, in a room of 2,000 people. And they're going to find one another. You know, it's kind of like the Gospers in your church, you know. You don't have to say, hey, won't you guys get together and go out of church tonight? I mean, they're already making plans to go to Applebee's before you ever introduce them. Because their spirit's already communicating with one another. You don't have to tell all the, the tailbearers to get together. You don't have to get all the criticizers together. They just have a way of finding one another. Amen. You know, I've been preaching in some churches for some time now, and and some of them going back to them and being in their services and around those folks, same folks going to those churches. And and, uh, some of those old saints will come up to me and say, You know, it looks like, Brother Calhoun, you're picking up a little weight. I don't need them to tell me that. I I know I'm gaining weight. Like you look like you you got a few more gray hairs since the last time i seen you. And I want to say, you, you look like you picked up a couple more devils since the last time i seen you. But I, I don't say that to them. But the, there are people that the only thing that comes out of their mouth is something destructive. Only thing that comes out of their mouth is something Critical only thing they do is tear down with their words. Preaching for people, evangelizing. I, I had many times people going to build a new church and the pastor take you in their office and they would show you the blueprints. They'd lay it out on the desk and they would begin to show us the blueprints. And I have absolutely no bil- building acumen whatsoever. I couldn't build a chicken coop. But they, they'd, they'd look at those blueprints and they'd tell you this is where everything's going to be. Amen. And I, I'd go back maybe some years later and I was even looking around here tonight at all this fancy woodwork and this beautiful sanctuary and I couldn't build this building. I I couldn't, I I wouldn't, wouldn't even know where to start to build this beautiful building. But you know one thing I know that I can do and that is that I could get a wrecking ball and I could tear this thing down because it doesn't take much skill. It doesn't take much talent. It doesn't take much ability to destroy something. Amen. It doesn't take an education to run a crowbar. Hallelujah. Or or claw hammer and tear something down and destroy something. And that's why the Bible is so strong on the subject of edification. The Bible tells me that those spiritual gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, Paul explains to us that they're for the edification of the body of Christ. He said I've given you a ministry a fivefold ministry in Ephesians chapter 4 that's for the edifying of the body. The Bible talks a lot about edification. i tell you what we need is men in this hour is men that know how to edify one another. Come on, I'll tell you, if you want a good marriage, learn how to edify your wife. Learn how to edify your children if you want them to live for God and be successful in the kingdom of God. If you want a revival church, learn how to be an edifier. Amen. Lift up the ministry. Lift up the man of God. At the church. Amen. I go to a good church. Don't talk bad about my church. I love my church. That's where God saved me. That's where God keeps me. That's where I receive his word. That's where I get in his presence. That's where I pray. That's where I take my family. Amen. Somebody needs to learn how to edify in the kingdom of God. Edify the body of Christ. Why don't you slip up your hands right now and say God I want you to give me a spirit of edification. Hallelujah! Praise God. Praise God! Come on, there's always something to talk down about. There's always something to shout out. Praise God! Praise God! The Bible, the Bible tells us that there is a language of faith. I'm talking to you about not letting faith lie in your mouth. There is a language of faith. Amen! Romans 4, 17 tells us that Abraham called those things which be not as though they were yeah. hallelujah, yeah. the Word of God teaches us that the tongue can defile every other member of the body. you know what that you know what that's saying that 's telling you your tongue, your mouth can get your nose broke your mouth can get your teeth knocked down, your tongue can get your I blacked. And I remember when I was a youngster, my tongue got my seat warmed up more than once. I'm gonna tell you my mama knew how to defile your members, praise God. Because I had a smart mouth. Hallelujah. But that's why when you get the Holy Ghost, that God takes that much most unruly member, the scripture says, of your body. Now we know that tongues is not the Holy Ghost in itself. It is the sign or the evidence that the Holy Ghost has come into a person's life. But when he has dominance over that, he has you. That's what he said. Praise God. We cannot afford to let faith die in our mouth. We need to start speaking things that we want God to do. And I'm not into this blab it and grab it stuff. And I think you know me well enough to know that I'm not talking about the charismatic version of this. But I'm telling you, there's enough down talk. There's enough gossip and backbiting that goes on in apostolic circles. Amen. What we need is some people that can talk about the good things of God. That know how to edify one another. That know how to build up the body of Christ. That know how to talk about revival. Amen. Talk about good things of god and talk about the scripture amen there ain't nothing like getting together with some brothers and talking over the word of god and iron with iron amen and we learn something and we we receive something from one another by discussing the good things of god don't let faith die in your mind and don't let faith die in your mouth but i notice that if it ever dies in a mind and if it ever dies in a person's mouth It doesn't stop there. Yeah. but It's got a way of progressing, slipping on down to the hands. And this this speaks to us about the principle of release. I had an old preacher tell me one time, he said, you know, in life, he said, you're going to have to learn what to hang on to, and you're going to have to learn what to let go of. He said life is like a river. It's like a stream. He said it's gonna bring good things and There is gonna be some bad things But you're gonna learn early What to hold on to and what to let go of? Because you will not be able to embrace What God has for you tomorrow as long as you're holding on to something some hurt some offense That happened to you yesterday Something long ago in your past that's still festering in your heart. Amen. I'm going to talk to you a little bit here tonight. Is that okay? The Bible tells me that offenses may possibly come. There's an outside chance now, I'm just going to warn you, that offenses should come. Is that what he said? He said they will come. (laughs) Amen. You just get ready. It's going to happen. Offenses are going to come in your life. It is going to occur at some point in your life. You're right. I remember riding home just as a young, wet behind the ears evangelist, maybe six months out evangelizing, riding home with a preacher, and he was discussing an event that happened in his life. And he wheeled around to me, and I was so innocent and naive. And he said, you know what, Brother Calhoun, there's going to come a day that you're going to have opportunity to get bitter. And whatever you do, don't ever allow it to happen to you. Because all of us have that potential. The Bible talked about it being a root that is there in all of our lives that given the right circumstances uh, is able to spring up. And it's only through prayer and keeping our spirit right and practicing the principle of release and relinquishment in our lives and being willing to forgive. Come on, your ability to receive forgiveness is directly connected to your ability to forgive your brother. Oh, come on, don't tell me you got the Holy Ghost and you're sitting sneering at the man sitting down the pew from you. Or when somebody else shouts and get their blessing, Amen, it, it ruffles your feathers. Uh, when some when the preacher preaches, uh, Amen, on certain subjects, there's, there's something that crawls all over you and it offends you. I'm gonna tell you something, brother. You need to get your spirit right. Uh, you cannot afford, uh, amen, to allow something that you're hanging on to in your spirit, uh, something that you got crossed up in your spirit, uh, amen, to affect you. And what God wants to do for you right now you're right, you're right. hold it on to something in the past well you don't know what they did to me back in 1945 Amen. Right. Yeah. On, yeah, it kind of remind me i just remember the story of the of the church that uh, had a major split and uh, one of the old members of the church left over the split and later on, his granddaughter prayed through and uh, asked him to come back to church. I said, Oh, no. I said, I, We had a church split down there, and he said, We had a big problem, and uh, I quit the church years ago, and I don't have any plans of going back. I said, Granddad I said, what, what was it that the problem was over? And he said, You know, I, I can't remember what it was. I just know I'm holding on to it. With an old bad spirit of offense. You got to learn what to let go of. I said, You got to learn what to let go of. In Acts chapter number 19, Paul ran across those disciples of John the Baptist. And he asked them a simple question Unto what was you baptized? And they said, We're John's disciples. We were baptized according to John's baptism. He said, well, let me ask you another question. Have you had the Holy Ghost since you believed? And, and their, their answer is appalling to me because he said, or they said to him, they said, we don't even know if there be any Holy Ghost being poured out yet. Now, now I, want to get you, I want you to get the irony of this. This is the 19th chapter now of the book of Acts. And they're still holding on to John. They have missed the entire ministry of Jesus. They have missed all the miracles of Jesus. They have missed that significant day, the day of Pentecost. I mean, they missed, they missed, they missed Calvary. They missed the resurrection. They missed Pentecost. They missed all of the miracles of the uh, early part of the book of Acts. Why? Because they were still holding on to John. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something. You will never receive what God has for you today. Holding on to something way back in your past. Some offense. Some hurt. Something that's been done wrong to me. You need to let it go because God's got something for you today that he wants to do in your life. God has something presently that he wants to bless you with. Somebody throw up your hands and say, God, help me to embrace the present. But on the contrary, not only do you got to know what to let go of, it is also necessary in life. And as a man, that you know what to hold on to. Amen. That you know what to get a bulldog grip on and have tenaciousness about and be willing to stand for and be aggressive about. Come on. There's some things you just can't be limp-wristed. There's nothing you can be as a man limp-wristed about. But you know what I'm talking about. There, There's some things you cannot be passive about. There's some things you cannot let the devil back you off of. Come on. 2 Samuel chapter 23. The Bible tells me about one of David's mighty men by the name of Eliezer that got involved in a fight. And he gripped the hold of a sword so tenaciously. And so fervently that he had to pry his fingers away from it, it begin to take on the shape of it. His hand claved, the Bible said, to the sword. And there's a whole lot of people that are willing to just let go and and, and, and release things, amen, and cast to the wind things and, and, and just say that, that doesn't matter anymore and that's not important anymore and that's not a priority anymore. I'm going to tell you when it comes to doctrine, we need some men that are willing to hang on to it. When it comes to the oneness of God, we need some men that are still wanting to stand for it uh, and hold on to it. When it comes to Jesus' name baptism, we're, we're still Jesus' name folks around here, aren't we? When it comes to Jesus' name baptism, it's not just a good idea. And it's not just a, a, a something, a, a ritual that we go through. But if your sins are going to be remitted, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Somebody needs to hold on to the essentiality, the message of the essentiality of the Holy Ghost. It's not just a spare tire. It's not optional equipment. It's not something you can choose not to have or to have. But it's got to be. It's essential. That's the only thing that's going to quicken this mortal body and get you out of here at the great catch of the way. Amen. It's the Holy Ghost in your life. God, my God, my God. We, we need some men now. We need some men that are still willing to hang on to separation from the world. That are not passive about it. Come on now, it's just men here. Am I? Are you going to let me preach this a little bit? That are not going to let their wives talk them out of what they stand for. If you're not careful, there's more convictions been lost between the altar and the right back home. Well, I just don't believe that, honey. Well, okay. You can do what you want to do. You can wear your skirts wherever you want to wear them. You can cut a little bit off your hair if you want to. Yeah. Tell it. You wear your clothing as tight as you are. Come on, man. Amen. Your, your daughter, you ought to stand at the door of your home and say, you know what, you're not going to church dressed like that because I'm the gatekeeper of this house. Come on, is this all right? Amen, there needs to be a man in the house that will stand up and say, we're still holding on to godly principles. We're still hanging on to righteousness and holiness. We're still going to please God in our... In our family. We're going to stand with the preacher. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! I know it's kind of getting a little suppressed in here right now. Hallelujah! I'm going to tell you it's still the truth. It's time to be the man, brother. I said it's time to stand up. Don't be intimidated. Don't shrink away from it. It's the word of God. Stand for it if you want to be blessed in your home. Come on, clap your hands and let's praise the Lord. It's the men that are willing to hold on to it. Hold on. I'm not letting go of it. I was preaching preaching this past Wednesday night. Amen. I'm going to tell you this social networking on the internet. I'm going to tell you, you don't need dreams and visions no more. You just get on the internet. You can find everything you need to know about your church. You can get enough preaching material to go for a long time. All kinds of, it's very revelatory, I promise you. Amen. So, I was preaching, and I got to looking over there in that scripture, in Exodus 14, where the Bible says that the people of God, when they came out, and the Egyptians and Pharaoh, as he had a habit of doing, he changed his mind and began to pursue after them. The world started putting pressure on them. The Egyptians started putting pressure on them. And they begin to question what the man of God said. And they become willing to back up on what the man of God had proclaimed to them and what God had said he would do. And Moses said, stand still in verse 13. He said, stand still. And we're going to see the salvation of the Lord. And we've all heard that. But in verse 15, he makes a seemingly contrary command. He said, go forward. What he was saying is, stand sure, be steadfast in your mind. Don't back up now. Now is not a time to be questioning. Not a time to be debating. It's not a time to be rediscussing and renegotiating. Amen. Just stand where you are. Amen. But we're going to go forward. And I got a message for the church. Let's stand still, but go forward. Let's stand still in the message. Let's stand fervent. Amen. in, In the truth. But let's go forward in revival. Let's go forward in the things of God. Let's continue to see the blessings of God. Let's allow God to work in our lives. Somebody clap your hands and praise the Lord. Don't let faith die in your hands. And finally, don't let it die in your feet. Psalms 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Isaiah 40, 31 tells us, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The ultimate movement in your relationship with God, brothers, is not flying. And it's not running. But it's merely walking it's a walk. Everybody wants to fly and everybody likes to run. But at a certain point, you just got to settle in and make up your mind that I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to walk with God. You can't let faith die in your feet. A friend of mine pastoring in Texas has pastored there for many, many, many years. And uh, he had a family in his church that had been with him just about since the time that he had came to pastor there. I think it went to church there in excess of 29, 30 years. And uh, had a boy that they raised in church. And it was a good boy. Lived for God. Married in the church. And uh, one afternoon, he was just 27 years old. His mother couldn't get a hold of him. And so she went over to his home and noticed his vehicle was there knocked on the door and it didn't answer so she let herself in and she found this boy he was dead 27 years old and uh didn't understand it wasn't a lot of answers they had his funeral on Saturday afternoon he died earlier that week they had his funeral on Saturday afternoon there in that church that they had faithfully attended for over 29 years and uh it laid the boy to rest, and uh, the preacher said we had, of course, church the next Sunday. He came to church, and he said, I walked up to give my Bible lesson that morning, and I looked over the pulpit and out into the congregation. And he said, there sat the mother and father of that boy in their usual seat. He said, I was so overwhelmed. He said, I just left the pulpit, and I walked back to where they were. And he said you know you were the last folks that i expected to see today he said we just buried your son yesterday everybody would have understood i understand i i believe it would have been permissible because of your great loss and the grief that you're going through for you to miss today i didn't expect to see you in the house of god but they looked at him with tears running down their cheeks and they said well pastor where else could we go? This is where we raised our boy. This is where we taught him to live for God. And this is where we taught him to bring his troubles, is to the house of God. So, we said this morning if we're grieving and we're hurting, and we got pain in our heart, the only place we know to go is to the house of God. I'm telling you, that's faith in your feet saying I don't understand and I'm not making big progress but I'm just walking with God and I'm making my way to the house of God and when I get there I'm not going to charge God foolishly but I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to worship Him and I'm going to praise Him and I'm going to give Him glory hallelujah would you stand with me right now lift up your hands to the Lord would you talk to God come on Thank you, Jesus.